Thank you for downloading the Aging Matters podcast. To find out more about how Transitions Life Care is providing care and comfort for life's changing needs, visit transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM. FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Good afternoon to you. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett representing Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. Nicole, the Virtual Caregiver Summit is happening in just a few days. I know. We have opened up the gates. We have over 1,300 attendees that are feverishly getting into the application and checking out the desktop version, and folks are really excited. So, yeah, it's um, it's been a, quite a process to get a Virtual Caregiver Summit ready to roll, but um, people seem to be genuinely excited about what we're having to offer for them this year. Yeah, it's so exciting, and uh, I've got the app on my phone. I've been checking <laughs> it out. It's, it's, it's really cool. Cool. Very well done. And don't forget, it's free this year. It's free to register, free to interact. Just go to caregiversummit.org. It's happening this Thursday, the 22nd, caregiversummit.org. And you can also get there through WPTF.com if you click on podcasts and go to the Aging Matters section. We got a nice big link right there for you. But Thursday's the day, so go ahead and register now. Uh, don't waste any time because uh, everyone everyone's doing it now. So, and you don't <laughs> want to forget, you don't want to miss out, caregiversummit.org. Uh, Nicole, we are going to explore a topic here that is very interesting. We're going to be discussing some major fears that older adults have. And to do that, we're going to be speaking again to Scott Waterhouse. He's the Director of Information Services with Resources for Seniors. Scott, thanks so much for coming back on the show. Oh, you're welcome. So this, we need to be playing like some spooky Halloween yeah. <laughs> music because this is top 10 fears of older adults. <laughs> but uh, but I really appreciate you shedding some light on this, Scott, because I think, you know, the things that you're going to be bringing up to us today are really in the minds of the older adults that we all uh, work with. And um, a lot of times when people have a fear, they think it's just them and they don't realize that it's actually something that most people share with them. So uh, talking with you today, I I hope we'll normalize some of that information, and I look forward to kind of digging right in with that with you right now. Okay. So let's. Well, it you know it's. Good. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say. So let's jump right in. It's important. (laughs) I'm gonna let you speak. So we're just going to start this little piece over again. So I'm just going to say. So let's jump right in. Well, the most important thing is. Every day I do research on older adults to try to stay up with the trends and things that are happening. And from home care agencies like Home Instead, they put out a list of top ten universities do that deal with uh, uh, geriatrics. Everybody's got this list, but it all pretty much comes together that there are ten things that seniors really worry about in their caregivers. And it's important that when we talk about older adults, we're also talking to their caregivers and their loved ones about these. And so what I would like to do is just run through these top ten items and let people start thinking about them in the front of their mind on making decisions about them and what to be prepared for as they 
go through those aging years. Awesome. So the first one we're looking at today is called loss of independence. Now, that's the top thing most seniors have in their minds. They're afraid of losing their independence. As we, you know, get to near our 18th birthday, we're excited because we're going to become independent. Mm -hmm. Well, once we go over 65 years old, we begin worrying about losing that independence. Mm -hmm. And so as we age, we begin to think about the independence slowly slipping away because of cognitive or physical health uh, deteriorates in our lives. I really appreciate you bringing that one up, Scott, because I think a lot of times what happens with that is, um, you know, you start hiding things that are changing within your mind or your body because you're really worried, my gosh, if my children or a friend knows that this is changing within me, they're going to hurry up and, and, and take things away from me. They're going to take the car keys away from me. They're going to take my ability to live in my home. But the reality of it is, is that if you can just get a little bit of support of services in place, you can really extend your time being independent for a much longer amount of time, chances are. And so um, instead of waiting for that gigantic crisis where then you probably will have a shorter amount of time than you would have had you placed, you know, even something as simple as some minimal in-home care services or getting some assistance with a meal or things of that nature. So hiding uh, some changes in your, in your mind or in your body can really result in a bigger issue down the road. Yeah, and it's important for the caregiver aspect that instead of telling our parents, don't change that light bulb, you might fall, is just saying, would you like for me to change? You know, give them that independence to make that decision. Right. Ask things so they still control their lives and they don't feel like they're losing that independence. So that's real important for us to move through. But in tandem with that, it's number two is declining health. You know, uh, the Institute of Aging reports 91% of seniors have one or more chronic illnesses. We hear this every day when we're hearing about medical issues, especially with older adults. And these issues become more and more prevalent once we get to that senior year, the golden 65. So about 30% of that uh, you'll find that people are having to start use paid assistance, like you mentioned. Uh, but it's important to do in advance, find out what resources are available for you. If you have insurance policy, what's buried in those policies that can help you maneuver through your health crisis in your life? It's very important that we be proactive about our health and not reactive to our health. And one of the things that Resources for Seniors offers is we have this really great database. It's got about 1,500 listings in it from anything from home care to assisted living and just about anything that touches an older adult's life. And, of course, I definitely encourage you to go and check that out. And we also have printed copies of our database as well for people to pick up. So health is the physical limitations that we start having in our lives. Most of us know they're happening, but we just don't pay attention to them. It's not going to go away, and that's the fact in life, is as we get older, we have health issues, and we need to be proactive in how we deal with these things. Definitely. What else? 
Well, then let's number three. Sometimes I think should be number one because this is one we get more calls about than probably um, only other two things is about in-home services and home uh, and home repairs. Is people are worried about running out of money. Mm-hmm. And these are just a constant phone call we get that people are running short of funds. But the proactive thing to do with that is early as possible, start anticipating what you're going to have to spend your money on. When you get to your retirement years, you're going to basically, when you get on Social Security, you're going to have about maybe, let's say, two-thirds of what you used to have every month. So how are you going to pay for those bills and not run out of money before the month runs out. You have to start budgeting yourself, knowing what your expenses are going to be. And those every month occurrences, those are the things you've got to be ready to be prepared for every month. And then you've got to figure ways to set aside money in case an emergency comes out. Most seniors have less than $1,000 available for emergencies, whether it's health, car, home, repairs, whatever it is, they have less than $1,000. And just fixing things can cost you all of it. It can definitely be very challenging. And um, actually, uh, one of the sessions at the upcoming Caregiver Summit, which Resources for Seniors is actually an underwriting sponsor. So thank you again so much for that. You're definitely making this event possible for our community. But one of the sessions is all about how to pay for long-term care. And I really do think it comes as a great surprise to many seniors that the majority of long-term care costs are out of pocket. And, you know, everybody makes the assumption that Medicare pays for everything, and the, and the reality of it is Medicare does not. It doesn't. Uh, and that's a huge assumption, Nicole. People call us every day saying, I want to get home care and I have Medicare. And we have to give them the hard answers to that. You know, unless you're coming out of a, a rehab and you're going to need physical therapy at home, you're going to get a little bit of, out of Medicare for that. But it's not a permanent uh solution to the problem so you have to really be thinking about what's down the road and how you're going to pay for it what's another one well number four is not being able to live at home Mm -hmm. Uh, every one of us want to live out our lives in our retirement home Um, but some people didn't prepare their homes in advance and that's one of the things that really has to be done Uh, if you plan to uh, age in place then you have to think of those things. If not, you're going to have to think of what are my alternatives to that. And like most fears, talking about the subject really can be stressful for people because they're really used to this. This is their home. This is where they've lived 25, 35, 40 years. And this is where they want to live out their years. Well, when you can't, take care of the task at home anymore. And I just went through this with my very own mother just a couple of years ago. Uh, She was adamant. She was staying there and it just, she couldn't do the laundry anymore. She couldn't clean the house anymore. She couldn't run to the store anymore. And it just kept piling up to where we had a family meeting and the best option for her was independent living. She didn't need a ton of care, but she just couldn't take care of the home anymore. So we have to be prepared for these inevitabilities. We have to figure out 
if we can get in-home help, like uh, companions coming to the house or similar programs like that, if we want to live at home, we have to be prepared for what it's going to take to live at home. That's so true. And starting those conversations as soon as you can is, is key because the longer you wait, the more uncomfortable and harder the, those conversations tend to become. We're speaking with Scott Waterhouse. He is the Director of Information Services for Resources for Seniors, and he's going over his uh, top 10 fears when it comes to older adults. And we will continue that list right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett, and our guest right now is Scott Waterhouse. He is the Director of Information Services for Resources for Seniors, and we are going through his list of the uh, top 10 fears of older adults. And uh, this is a good one, Scott. I think we just cleared number four and uh, let's move on to number five. Okay. Well, number five is probably a, uh, one of the more difficult uh, conversations to have, and that's the death of a spouse or another family member. Um, as we uh, get older, we become very happy with our situation and our life. And all of a sudden, uh, we realize that we all have our own mortality. And when we lose someone, that mortality becomes more prevalent in our lives. As we um, age out more, we see friends passing away, loved ones passing away. And it's real important for seniors to start thinking about what that means in their very own life. Um, When we lose someone, we hope that they're taken care of. We hope that you know, there's a, a will in place or a living will that they have put in place to help take care of things. So when we talk about that, it's important to have all those documents done now. It's not something to think about after something happens. You, you can't get it done then. So, you know, thinking about the important legal matters that go along with losing a loved one, it's important that we have these in place. It makes the stress on the family less, and it makes stress on the immediate loved one that lost someone so much less in their life, and it helps them deal with that loss much better. And especially so as we're important. especially as we're approaching the holiday season now as well, and we sometimes talk about this from time to time, but um, you know. There's also the impact of losing loved ones and facing holidays and things feeling different, seeming different, or they're just they just are different because, uh, you know, a beloved spouse has passed away or perhaps a parent has passed away. And so uh, sometimes as as older adults get older, I mean, a lot of the folks that they used to look to uh, to, to be the sort of the matriarch and the patriarchs of the family are no longer there, and it, and it can feel quite isolating to have a, a, a tremendous change and. Being that this is the year of COVID-19 2020, um, you know, that has 
certainly added an additional layer of stress on uh, families and, and older adults, especially those who've been in long-term care communities who've not been able to have access to loved ones for many, many months. And I know some of that is opening up now to a degree, but um, it, it's definitely been a hardship for folks all the way around. Absolutely. And, you know, that kind of leads us into the next part of this, which is number six, is the inability to manage your own activities of daily living. And what we're talking about, these are things that we do every day in our life that we most times don't even think about losing these abilities, such as eating, dressing, or taking a bath, or even cleaning the house. You know, these are things that over time become very cumbersome in our lives and uh, become very difficult to handle, you know. So we're going to have to have possibly some outside help to do that. But the thing an older adult can do right now is work on maintaining that mental and physical activity in their life because it's so vital for them to keep their independence just like everyone likes to have. So it lessens their dependence on others the more they work at their mental and physical activities. And in our county, we're very blessed with a lot of different senior centers and a lot of different park and rec programs that are geared for senior adults. And this also helps with socialization as well. Um, so take advantage of what's available to you because in a lot of cases, some of them are, are free and or low cost. So it keeps you socializing, but it keeps you healthy. Uh, others are challenging your mental acuity. Uh, it just makes your life fuller and makes you be able to do the things that you need to do around your house and keeping those activities of daily living strong in your life. Great. What else do you have for us, Scott? Well, this is a big one, Nicole not being able to drive. Mm -hmm. uh, we deal with this a lot with mm -hmm. phone calls. Uh, it's probably one of the biggest blows uh, seniors have. Uh, you know, we get so excited when we turn 16 and we <laughs> can go out and we can start driving a car and be in our car by ourselves, go where we want to do, go where we want to, do what we want to do. And just the thought of giving up those car keys or giving up that car mm -hmm. and be totally dependent on others is, is very stressful in life. Uh, it's that one independence that we have probably one of the greater fears of in our life is that we cannot do things. We have to wait for somebody else to help us. But there are options to it. You know, When that starts coming up as an issue in life, it's time to start having conversations with family members, with friends that you're close to. Finding out what the city or county or other nonprofits offer in the way of transportation. Um, in our county, uh, we our agency offers medical and um, Meals on Wheels nutrition transportation to uh, the Meals on Wheels congregate sites. Um, you have the Center for Volunteer Caregiving that helps uh, older adults with errand shopping and picking up prescriptions. So that's a big part of it is don't wait until you need it, but go ahead and think about in advance what's out there, what's available 
So when that moment comes and the family has that conversation, it's not going to be as tragic as you want it to be. Definitely. And it, it definitely is, is a huge fear that older adults have. And I know there are a number of different ways that you can have that conversation. If you're a loved one caring for a senior who um, you're finding that driving is becoming more of a challenge, you know, there are, there are certainly ways to handle this without having to um, even potentially have that very difficult conversation directly. You can talk to that individual's primary care physician. You can even do um, special driving tests that they have set up for older adults through uh, some occupational therapy uh, departments throughout the university health systems in the area just to do an assessment because sometimes you know when a person actually gets to see themselves with how they're doing in an assessment they may realize you know oh wow you know this really isn't going to be a safe situation for me anymore but it is scary you know there are some areas that um, have you know uh, more intricate uh, transportation systems than we do have here in the Raleigh Durham Chapel Hill area and I know that is an incredible challenge especially if you live outside the metropolitan area to get reliable transportation so in itself losing your ability to drive is isolating and definitely changes the ability for that individual to maintain a lot of those social connections that they have in the community. So what's what's another uh, one of the top 10 fears, Scott? Well, number eight is isolation and loneliness. Mm -hmm. um, this one happens over time. Uh, it sometimes creeps up on older adults, but other times it hits them in the face. Mm -hmm. um, driving can bring on some of this loneliness or isolation if they can't get in the car and go somewhere and losing the the ability to drive heightens this fear in a lot of people and that's one reason they really are adamant about not giving up that part of their life but again it's it's rotating family members and having visits to the home networking with neighbors going to the senior center Things that we can reduce isolation and loneliness is they're available in the Triangle area. And it's really great uh, that you've got senior centers. Um, you might have lost a lot of the people in your age group, and you just don't have that many people to talk anymore with. And you go to a senior center and you develop new friendships. And a lot of these senior centers... Um, they're more than willing to let the caregiver come with them the first couple of visits and so they can get acclimated and start meeting people. And I would encourage that so family members know what their loved one is doing in life and, you know, the joy that they can get out of getting out of the house and being around people. That's just going to be a huge part of their older years, and especially after they past the 70 mark uh, a lot of people um, we have tons of people in their 70s going to the two senior centers that we operate uh, in our county so I, I encourage people don't look for the aspect of what loneliness is going to do for you look how you can change it and make an alternative out of it to keep yourself active in life and meeting new people and being a part of the events because they take trips and they go on social events um of course we're waiting for um covid to get over with so we can do some of that again but there are options and there are also virtual options now where you can do it right from home um we have exercise classes 
that people can attend lectures they can attend to. They can even do arts and crafts virtually. So those people that um, have access to the Internet, there are ways to remove that loneliness by interacting, even if it's via their computer. So, yeah, that, that isolation is tremendously huge, and we've had a magnifying glass on that, I think, since we've been uh, going through COVID-19. So, Scott, we have less than a minute left to go. If we could just quickly highlight the last two so we don't leave people hanging. I'm sure they're wondering what they are. All right. Well, number nine is uh, strangers caring for them. It's just important, especially if you're a caregiver, for you to understand that someone's coming in and take care of your loved one, then they need to feel comfortable with that person. So that the people that are going to be coming in and learn about them, learn about their agency, and that'll make your loved one or you as a senior more comfortable with them. And then the last one is, uh, could be number one, fear of falling or getting hurt. Uh, CDC says one out of every three adults is going to fall each year. So install some things in your house to make that less likely to happen. Grab bars, reinforce handrails, anti-slip strips in your house, and increase lighting to make it less of a problem seeing around the room. And hire a neighbor to do the shoveling during the wintertime so you don't have to do things. Scott, your timing is important things. Thank you, Scott. Uh, Your timing is perfect. You left us with just enough time to thank Scott Waterhouse, Director of Information Services with Resources for Seniors, for joining us. It was a great list. And uh, if you missed any part of Scott's top 10 fears that older adults have, you can listen to the replay of this show at WPTF.com. Just click on the podcast section and find Aging Matters. And there you can view the full list that Scott went over. And if you want to learn more about resources for seniors, be sure to go to resourcesforseniors.com, resourcesforseniors.com. A quick break and back with more. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. You are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. Don't forget, uh, anytime you want to find more information about Transitions Life Care, you can go online to transitionslifecare.org. Transitionslifecare.org. Nicole, we uh, had a, a wonderful discussion with Scott Waterhouse on the top 10 fears of older adults, and kind of wrapped up in there was the uh, the message that procrastination in a lot of regards is, is not good, and it tends to complicate things. And we're going to explore the legal side of that and how avoiding family conflict when it comes to caring for an aging family member or dealing with an estate can be problematic. And uh, when it comes to legal matters, we love to bring on Mark Costley, who's the founding attorney at Clarity Legal Group. Mark, thanks so much for coming back on the show. Oh, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I appreciate you uh, including me. We're always thrilled to have you, Mark. And um, 
Clarity Legal Group is a uh, presenting sponsor for the upcoming Virtual Caregivers Summit, and they're actually going to be participating in three different sessions uh, next week. So you definitely want to make sure that you go ahead and register for the virtual summit at caregiversummit.org. It's free this year, and you'll you'll be have an opportunity to uh, hear uh, a few hours, if you so choose to, of, of Mark's area of expertise. So I know that family conflict is an incredibly huge challenge that we that we deal with as industry professionals in all the various different aspects of long-term acute care uh, uh, as it relates to the change in in the status of a loved one and really curious to hear your perspective mark about how do we avoid some of that family conflict when it relates to legal matters so uh, nicole uh Thanks for asking. I think this area is one that is is uh, underappreciated. When I talk to clients at the beginning of an estate planning engagement or the beginning of planning for someone's health care, uh, we we always ask what their top priorities are, and 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 you know they'll say, well, we want to make sure we get it right. We want to make sure that we that we make things you know easy and efficient. But always, some you know people will say we we want to avoid family conflict, and. You, you can't really avoid family conflict very well in the documents, which is to say the documents have to get it right. But I think this is mostly about emotion. And, and so, uh, so uh, when people are dealing with, uh, with uh, someone they love who's having health problems or when they're dealing with the death of someone who they love, uh, they're going to be emotional, right? It's a, it's, a, uh, it's, it's a tragedy, but it's also traumatic for the people who are experiencing it. And so their emotions are running high, so sometimes they just behave outside of what you might expect or what's reason, reasonable. And, and, and so you can plan to avoid that if you try. Uh, so how I, do we do that? I, and, and, I, <laughs> and, and I think the I think the number one thing is no surprises. To be honest with you, to mm-hmm. to try to make sure that even the people who aren't directly involved in caring for someone or aren't or aren't serving as the executor of the estate or the trustee of a trust, that 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 the people who are interested are are adequately informed because because if they aren't informed, it turns out they become suspicious sometimes. Well, yeah, you know, I always think back when we have these types of conversations to these big dramatic scenes in, in old movies where they have the reading of the will and everybody's sitting there and they have no idea what the will is going to say. And then, you know, the attorney sits there and reads what's going to happen. And I'm not really sure if that's really what happens in, in real life, but I can only imagine, you know, if, if folks have no idea what's going to happen, how that may potentially lead to, you know, permanently hurt feelings. And then that loved one has since passed and they can't help mediate. Nicole, uh, you know, those scenes from the movies aren't really the way it happens, but they really are a great illustration of what I'm talking about. Because when you see those scenes in the movies and there's the reading of the will and, and, and invariably to make it interesting, uh, you know, some, uh, you know, the misfit child that no one thought was going to inherit anything gets, gets it all or someone who expected something isn't going to get it. Well, those kinds of surprises are the, are the source of conflict in those movies, right? Right. And so... So, you know, I want to encourage people, if they're doing a will or doing any kind of planning, to ask, well, do I need to let my family members know what I'm doing? And, and so to, make, to give you a, a kind of easy example is I have a lot of clients who want to leave a charitable gift in their plan. That's good. Well, so if you're going to leave a charitable gift, I think it's a good idea to inform your family about it, just to make sure that they know that you're doing that thoughtfully, it's important to you, and it's valuable to you. Because typically people will really honor what you've done if they're not surprised 
But if I was uh, if I was expecting to inherit X and I get X minus uh, Y because Y is going to the charity, I wonder why that's going <laughs> why that's happening. Mm-hmm. And 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 sometimes I worry that uh, that it wasn't really what my loved one intended. So that's what we want. We when when something unexpected is going to happen, we'd like it not to be a surprise. So do people really set up these sort of internal mental expectations of how they think it's supposed to go down as family members? I mean, is that a, is that a very typical experience? Well, not only do they do that, but the way I like to, I, I, I describe this about almost all of life, but it's, but it's, but it's this, this times 10 when you're dealing with something that's highly emotional. That is, that if people don't know the story, they'll make up a story, mm-hmm. right? Right. And, and, and the, the, the great example that I want to give is, is uh, in, in caring for, for someone who's, uh, who's uh, uh, maybe elderly or, or, or suffering from a, from, a, from a long-term illness. In that case, invariably, there's one person in the family who takes a disproportionate load. Maybe there are three kids, and, and, and one of them is doing all the work or nearly doing all the work. Mm-hmm. So first of all, that person you know, uh, is doing it out of, out of love and out of a sense of duty and responsibility, but invariably, a little bit of bitterness you know, uh, can build up for yeah. them because they wonder where their brother or sister is while right. they're doing all this work. And you would think that the brother and sister are sitting over here feeling a little bit guilty and uh, and and uh, and maybe wishing they could contribute more. But it turns out that often uh, that guilt that they're feeling or that emotion that they're feeling about not being able to do more doesn't cause them to be more appreciative, but it causes them just to 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 be a little a little less reasonable and rational. So they start to make a story about, well, where did mom's money go? I mean, uh, my sister was uh, was in charge of everything she was doing and had access to all the money and was making all the decisions. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm suspicious. Well, there's no rational basis for that suspicion, but there's this not knowing coupled with the emotion, coupled with maybe even some anxiety. And, and you, you mix that all together and they're going to tell a story, right? Wow. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, that totally makes sense for sure. So, so, I, so I think that if I were going to give some people some rules of thumb to, to, to deal with in this situation uh, at, at a really high level, and I'll give you some of the, I'll drill down and give you some of the, at, at a ground level uh, in, in a second. But right now I would say communication, okay, which doesn't mean you communicate everything, but that you communicate everything you should communicate and you be thoughtful about it. Secondly, documenting what you're doing so that if anybody asks you what you did six months ago, you can show what you did six months ago. And then the last thing is representation, which is to say, I think it really makes a difference to have uh, you know, a good, experienced uh, lawyer or law firm who's been involved in helping people so that they can stand behind uh, you know, the actions from a standpoint of what was intended by the person who was being cared for, the person who's passed away. So again, communication, documentation, and representation. Yeah, having that third party there to observe and sort of guide can be uh, a, a nice way to avoid conflict as well. We're going to continue our conversation with Mark Costley. He is the founding attorney at Clarity Legal Group, and we will be back right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk 
Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care. Hey, don't forget, there's still a little bit more time for you to sign up for the Virtual Caregiver Summit this year. It is happening this Thursday, October 22nd. Be sure to go online to caregiversummit.org to register. It's free to register, free to attend, caregiversummit.org. Org. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. Our guest on the line is Mark Costley. He's the founding attorney at Clarity Legal Group, and we're talking all about ways to avoid family conflict. And uh, Mark, just before the break, we wanted to get into uh, some tips and some actions that we can all take to make sure that uh, we're, we're avoiding this conflict as best we can. Sure. Uh, you know, I'm going to look at this from two perspectives. And, and the first thing I'm going to talk about uh, is from the perspective of the person who is, is, is uh, receiving care or the person who has done their estate planning and written a will and that sort of thing. So the first thing is simply to be thoughtful about who you choose to give uh, you know, authority over your affairs, who, do, who you name as your power of attorney and your health care power of attorney and your, and, and your executor. Uh, too often, I think people think, well, gee, I'll just, uh, you know, name my kids in birth order or uh, uh, I'll name all my kids because I don't want to leave any of them out or, or whatever it might be. And, and I really think when you're, when you're choosing this person, more than choosing, you know, raw competence or knowledge or expertise, choosing uh, sort of uh, someone who will relate to other people in a fashion that won't create conflict is probably one of the most important things. So that's someone who is inclusive someone who will communicate well, someone who will not be drawn to conflict. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've seen too many cases where where someone someone was chosen and they were highly competent, they were highly efficient, and all the things that made them highly competent and highly efficient also made them sort of dismissive of their their siblings who who weren't involved, and you don't want that, right? So you want to choose the right person. Secondly, you really want to avoid, you know, things that look like mistakes. So let me give you an example. Let's imagine that you were lucky enough to have a million dollars, okay? And you wanted to leave 10% of your estate to your church, okay? This seems small, but what you're going to do in your will is not say, I leave $100,000 to the church. You're going to say, I leave 10%. And, and the important distinction is, because you may not have a million dollars when you die. <laughs> so if you have a million dollars when you write the will and you have 500000 when you die, if you said, I leave $100,000 to the church, you just left 20% to the church. Mm-hmm. So, so, so just that simple distinction between using a percentage and a dollar figure, uh, even if the dollar figure is compelling, is important. And that's not just charitable gifts. I see that in, in small bequests to uh, you know, a niece or a nephew or, or, or to, uh, to a daughter-in-law or a son-in-law or whatever it might be. You know, we want to look more towards percentages and, and less towards dollar figures. That also makes it important to kind of do centralized planning. You can have, and I've talked about this before on this show, you can have so many different little arrangements out there as to how your assets are passing, a beneficiary designation on an IRA, a beneficiary designation on a life insurance policy, a will, a trust, and, and uh, you know, a pay-on-death designation on a bank account. And all these have the allure of simplicity, but the absence of centralized 
planning means every one of those arrangements is a different little will dealing with a different pot. And just like your total wealth can, can vary, the, the relative value of those assets can change. So if I have two kids and I have two bank accounts and I, they, each bank account has $10,000 and I give one account to one child and one account to the other, that's great as long as I never let the, the, the relative value of those two accounts change. But if when I die, one of those accounts has 1000 and the other one has 15000 well, guess what? One of my kids is getting 15000 and the other one's getting one. So we want to try to centralize that because, because when that happens, everybody involved in the family will say, well, it doesn't look like that's what mom really intended. I don't think that's what really happened. Let's fix that. And, and invariably, the child who got $15,000 isn't going to say, well, yeah, you're right. Let's, uh, let's even <laughs> it up. The child who got 15000 is going to say, yeah, I think this is exactly what mom intended. And so that creates, creates a conflict, right? So centralized planning. And then the last thing I would say for people who are planning is <clears> – <throat> This is counterintuitive, but do keep your documents up to date, uh, even if you haven't made changes. So, you know, uh, when it comes to a will, you you know, uh, it's probably true to say an oldie is a goodie, right? If you have a a 25-year-old will and it is still exactly what you want, uh, it's going to be legally enforced. On the other hand, if you have a a 15-year-old power of attorney, or a 15-year-old healthcare power of attorney, even though it might be legally enforced, it's going to be harder to enforce it because people are going to ask the question, is that really still what you intend? Is that really still the person you intend to empower? Does it still reflect your wishes? So I think updating documents, even the will, periodically, even when there aren't major changes, it can be a good idea just to put people's mind at ease that it really is what you intended. It isn't something that you, you set up 20 years ago and forgot about, and now it's having an unintended consequence. Well, and to your point earlier, you know, instead of naming dollar amounts, naming percentages, uh, because we do know, unfortunately, you know, we're all a bunch of procrastinators and we do things at the last minute and sometimes the last minute is too late. And so, you know, if you're, if, if you're a procrastinator personality, at least naming percentages will hopefully allay some of those issues down the road if you pass away unexpectedly before you were, would have been able to make a change to the dollar amount type version. Yeah, that's absolutely true. So, so the next thing I want to talk about just real quickly, if we have time, uh, guys, is just how the person who is in the position of being the fiduciary, the power of attorney or the health care uh, uh, power of attorney or the executor conducts themselves f- from a standpoint of, uh, of communicating with other people and documenting what they do can really help avoid conflict. Uh, again, it kind of gets back to that issue of, of people telling stories about what they don't know, but it also is about understanding that little things that seem like they aren't really very important at the time can be very important later on. And, and, and so, uh, I, you know, I have seen cases uh, where, uh, you know, one sibling is administering an estate and everything they're doing is right. And they're dealing with another sibling who is really losing, losing his or her mind because they, because they don't know what's going on. And, they're con- and, 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 a, and a large conflict develops. They're accusing the, each other of, of misconduct. And when that time comes, being able to document each and every transaction, what I really spent money on, where I spent it, and why I spent it, and when I spent it, it, for, often, when you disclose all that information, all of that conflict goes away. It's, it's the not knowing mm-hmm. that can be a problem. And one of the things that I want folks to appreciate is that when you're in a position of, of, of taking care of someone who's, uh, who's, uh, who's at the end of life or is in a long-term care situation, 
your primary duty is to that person, right? That, that's who you're taking care of. And invariably, as I said, those people started from the point of, I don't want my family to be in dispute. I don't want my family to be in conflict. So even if you are right and your, and your brothers and sisters are wrong, in a way, you have a duty to your to your to your parent or to your loved one to just make sure that uh, that you avoid that conflict, and so maybe you take a little heat. We were talking about having a, a lawyer involved before. One of the things I didn't know when I became a lawyer, but that I learned after doing this for a few years, is that sometimes the role of the lawyer is just to be the bad guy. So sometimes, so sometimes, if things didn't turn out the way one of the siblings wanted or one of the kids wanted, uh, uh, you know, if the lawyer is the person giving the bad news and, and, and explaining it, they may be angry. But they're going to be angry at the lawyer and, and not, uh, not angry at their brother or sister. And I can tell you from the standpoint of my client, the parent, uh, they really aren't unhappy that they're mad at me. They're glad they're <laughs> mad at me instead of being, glad, <laughs> instead of being mad at the, the, you know, their, their brother or sister. So that family harmony can sometimes be accomplished just by having someone who, could, who can carry the bad news. I, I, I tell my clients, too, and I, I'm, you know, I, I'd love all my clients to meet with me every year. And of course, not all of them want to do that because they don't all want to pay a fee every year. But, <laughs> but one of the values of meeting more frequently is it just puts me in a position of being able to more confidently, uh, you know, uh, assert that everything was done exactly as they intended. So to, a, a, when you're thinking about your own estate planning, you're thinking about wanting to, to make sure that your family is in harmony, that we avoid conflict, having a, uh, having a lawyer who works, you know, only in estate planning and supports the family, uh, you know, on a regular regular basis and sees you on a regular basis can really uh, pay dividends uh, when uh, these times of potential conflict come up. That's very well said, and that conflict is something that we all want to avoid. If you want to get a hold of Mark, you can do so by going online to ClarityLegalGroup.com, ClarityLegalGroup.com. He is Mark Costley, founding attorney at Clarity Legal Group. Mark, thanks as always for your time. We appreciate it. Well, Jason, I'm happy to be here, and I hope everybody will stay safe out there. We will do our best, and we wish the same for everyone listening. We want to remind you before we head out today that Thursday is the Caregiver Summit. Be sure to register online at caregiversummit.org, caregiversummit.org. And don't forget, you can also find that link through WPTF.com. Just click on the podcast button and find Aging Matters, and there you'll find a nice big link that'll take you to the registration page for the Caregiver Summit. It is free this year. Registration is going wild. Everyone is uh, really excited about this, and we hope that you will partake. It's really nothing to lose. Again, it's it's free to register and free to attend. It's the Caregiver Summit, caregiversummit.org. On behalf of Nicole Cleggett, I am Jason Kong, thanking you for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.